good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. Uh, this is season one, episode three. Thanks for joining us. I'm Julian, and this is... I'm Tom. And we are Team Binge. I say this at the top of all of them. If you haven't listened to the first two, you should listen to those. Don't start fresh here, although we are going to be very fresh on this episode. Always. Uh, we are here to talk about the TV show Ted Lasso. This one is called Trent Krim, The Independent. Who is Trent Krim, Tom? Trent Krim is the journalist for The Independent? He's journalist? The, he's the, writer? the reporter. Reporter. There I don't go. know if we're starting off strong if the title of the episode, you're confused by who that character well, is. Well, okay. So when we when I started this episode, I saw that the title was Trent sure. Krim Independent. And I'm sure. like, oh, okay. This is going to literally follow Trent Krim the whole time. But he's not featured as much in this episode as I guess I thought he would. Like, it develops into him having a pivotal role but you don't really start this interview until 15 minutes into the episode. Okay. Now I'm feverishly deleting my Trent Krim as an important theme of this episode. He 100% is. They set it up like obviously in the beginning, but I guess when I saw the title, I thought it would be more like Trent is literally leading the episode from like his perspective or something, I guess. Okay. Got it. And I do want to bring up at the top of this, for those of you that are listening to this, if you would like to know what, Tom and I look like. Hmm. We post these on YouTube as well. And so if you YouTube team binge, you'll find our episodes. Yep. For those of you that are watching this but not listening to it, it's also a podcast. <laughs> so you could go into any of the podcast things and listen to us there but not see us. Correct. Is that an are those accurate statements? Those are mostly accurate, yes. Okay. So if you're watching us without sound and you want sound, go listen to the podcast. If you're listening to us without visual and want visual, go to YouTube. And we do sign language throughout the entire podcast as well. Yes, which... yes, we do. I'm doing it right now. The YouTubers can see this. All right. Episode three, very enjoyable episode. One of my kind of favorite characters from the top. Like the first two episodes was Trent Krim. He, I feel like he comes in like batting a thousand in the couple seconds he gets. He definitely comes off as cynical, which we've established. I'm a cynical person. Mm -hmm. So part of me, before I joined the Church of Lasso, <laughs> I was a Trent Krim. I can say that in my bones. I just relate to that character. Yeah. But this episode themes something we established from... Uh, our good friend, Coach Ted Lasso, is it's not about wins and losses. Mm. We also get into the character Roy Kent and Trent Krim. Mm -hmm. And Roy Kent, uh, who I want to talk about kind of at the top, also one of my favorite characters. I would probably point out that most of the characters on this show are my favorite characters. I was going to say, I think in the last pod you said, like, oh, he's definitely my top ten characters. And I'm like, I think there's there's a lot of characters, but I would say ten would probably be... Would encompass most of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a background actor who I would put at like 11. Okay. I don't care for them. I don't know what their name is. The guy that was playing the guitar in the last episode? No, no, no. He's probably seven. He's a, oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> We're talking about uh, Roy Kent played by Brett Goldstein. And I did some like deep dive on that character and that actor because a lot of times when I'm watching a show with my spouse, my favorite thing to do is see an actor or an actress and be like, hey, do you know what that person's from? Oh, yeah. And then inevitably my wife has no idea. <laughs> Uh, and I get to play the game of I know and you don't. She just goes on IMDb and ruins the game. <laughs> but that's what spouses are for. So 
I looked him up because I did not recognize him from anything. Have you seen him in anything else? Nor do I. And I feel like going into this show, like it's obviously a heavily British actor show that I feel like the only people I knew going into it were Jason Sudeikis. I don't think I even remember Beard from the original commercials. Okay. Okay, so coming into it. So you haven't recognized anyone on the show. I don't think I have. I mean, again, we talked about Septa, but again, I didn't recognize her. You know, if you wouldn't have told me, I wouldn't have known that was her from Game of Thrones. The, okay. Rebecca. So I went into Brett Goldstein because I did not recognize him from mm-hmm. anything. My assumption is every time I see someone on screen in a show like this that I should know them from something. Right. So I looked him up. Yeah, you're right. British actor. He was in a movie. I watched like a two-minute preview for it called Super Bob, where he's the one superhero in the world. And it is about him falling in love and about how like every Tuesday, that's his off day from being a superhero. Hmm. And so he gets to be like a normal dude wandering around like the streets of London. And like people are like, hey, Super Bob. And then it got super dramatic. And so, um, like, two like Tuesdays or a Taco Tuesday, he becomes like uh, Clark Kent kind of thing. Yes, it's like, hey, on 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 Tuesday, like if you were a bad guy, you'd rob a bank on Tuesday because okay. Super Bob's not going to be there. <laughs> I have not seen the movie; it looked wonderful, but it was kind of like a romantic comedy that <laughs> he was in. What I found out just doing a deep dive about him is that he is he does a lot of writing. Okay. So he was actually supposed to be part of the writing staff of Ted Lasso. While they were casting characters, he had this feeling that he could play Roy Kent. He mm-hmm. like connected with the character, he said. So rather than being, and I kind of respect this about a person, rather than being like, hey guys, uh, I know you're looking for someone to play Roy, Roy Kent. I think I can do it. I gotcha. Uh, right. And kind of like doing like setting himself up for an awkward moment where they're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, but we really like you as a writer. <laughs> he did like, five scenes by himself filmed it and then sent an email in and it the email essentially said hey i think i can play roy kent here's my audition if you don't like it pretend like i never sent this email uh, and so they apparently really liked it and i i love him as an actor and a character he plays that role like extremely well oh i 100% agree i think like you could definitely tell he doesn't have the soccer prowess like they make a very point of during soccer sequences they don't really show much of him running around with the ball and that kind of stuff even like in later parts of the episode where he's just tossing the ball to the kids to give the headers he's still kind of like he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of athletic prowess and maybe i'm proved wrong later but again to me that just shows he's a good character and a good actor that's going to fit this role well and deliver the emotion that needs to be delivered in that character for this show as like the captain and leader of the team um, that they don't need him for all the soccer stuff. You have Tart, you have Sam, you've got other guys to be able to do some of that scene. I think it's a really brave thing to go and tell the public that you think Roy Kent is bad at soccer. Yes, I'm like, going to say that. You are a brave man because yeah. he seems like someone that would take that personally. <laughs> the other actor that's important in this is Trent Krim. He's played by a guy named uh, James Lance. I did a deep dive on James Lance. His name is James Lance, and he plays Trent Krim, (laughs) and that's all I know. With hair like that, how are you not in more, like, roles? I don't know. Do you think it's a hindrance, or do you think it it helps him? It can't possibly be a hindrance. You don't think he goes into auditions and they're like, hair's too long? No, absolutely not. Because I don't think he'd give it up. He'd be like, oh, I keep this hair, or I don't want the role. He's got that, like, you know, that little touch of gray that's kind of in there as well. It's very distinguished. Like, he... 
He's a fantastic. You reporter. don't have to tell me. As someone whose beard's going gray, <laughs> I I can appreciate gray. Okay, so episode opens up, and as we ended the last episode, I think it's important to note. Mm-hmm. Rebecca gives the order to her executive officer Higgins. Love the way you said that. She gives the order. Gives the order to the executive officer Higgins. Publish the photos, <laughs> and Higgins executes. No, he does not. She wakes up very happy. There's like some rock music. We we, we watch her like excited to get to work. She pulls out the Sun or whatever tabloid mm-hmm. it is. I'm assuming it's, it's the Sun. sun. Yep. And flips through and does not find any of the incriminating photos that she submitted of Keeley and Ted Lasso. The hope being that she causes some sort of drama or fight Mm -hmm. by getting those photos published. When she finds that out, she turns to her trusty (laughs) iPhone. You and I both iPhone users and lovers to our our core. Not true. One half of us are iPhone lovers. She goes, Siri, call poophead. She doesn't (laughs) say poophead. But, uh, and so we find uh, Higgins at breakfast with his four boys, apparently. Yeah. Little glimpse into Higgins' life. Right. Little glimpse into Higgins' life. Uh, the game I've started to play with with the Ted Lasso show is Can You Spot the Beats Headphones? One of the kids had the beats on? One of the kids had beats yeah, on. Didn't notice. Uh, Jamie Tart typically, of course, rolls around with, with beats headphones. That makes sense. Didn't know beats was owned by Apple. Beats owned by Apple. Hey, didn't know that. There yeah, they bought um five years ago, maybe. Welcome to our podcast <laughs> where you learn things like that. 2014, I can tell you the year. Listen, I'm the tech nerd of this podcast as well. I enjoy football and tech stuff. So yeah, I know about that. And I and because I like tech stuff, I like Android. I'm not lame Apple. Oh, you couldn't let it go. No, nope. you couldn't. No, no, no. Android all the, the way. The ambiguity man. of which one of us loves iPhones, you so, could not let go. So it keeps our relationship spicy, man. So we. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't let it go so then we find uh ted coming in to rebecca's office for biscuits with the boss mm, yep she's stressed out he hands her and she like smells these biscuits like they're drugs that she is like she got out of rehab <laughs> and this is what she wants i thought she was gonna crush him and snort him <laughs> <laughs> i mean she just was all in I what do you typically crush and snort? I don't understand the reference. Uh, just biscuits. Okay, biscuits. biscuits. That's how you. That's what I call cookie. In <laughs> cookies. <laughs> That's great. Rebecca and Ted exchange uh, biscuits. They chat. One of the things I think is funny is she like sends him away, but doesn't fight him when he says he's coming back the next morning. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he's starting to break down with biscuits with the boss like she's just accepted that he's coming back yeah and i had i I guess you could call it an issue with this exchange and how seemingly diabolically happy she is to get into the sequence she wakes up before like she turns off her alarm clock fully dressed at home like so she was already ready to go she got ready before her alarm came off she was giddy she was oh, like, she's so excited to see the photos the photos that's what mm-hmm. i'm saying before it kind of got to this point and that's why this seemed a little out of touch where and again maybe it's just kind of happening unconsciously sorry, into touch or out of touch <laughs> we'll call it into touch okay. a little out of bounds for her character no um, no i know what into touch means you <laughs> yes. don't have to clarify um but because she's so heavy, like handed with wanting to destroy seemingly Ted and mm. what he's doing for the team. 
and then ends this conversation with Ted leaving and her joking with Ted. She mm. literally says, like, counting down the minutes when Ted tells the joke about the clock and all that stuff. Oh, that's so right. She's, she's also, like, opening up to Ted at the same time she's diabolically trying to seemingly destroy him. So I feel, again, there's just that kind of mix. And I get in this kind of comedy type show, you've got to have a villain. She's playing that role. Sure. But I thought it was just so heavy-handed with the the giddiness and excitement of destroying him, and then ended it with her kind of playfully saying, "Talk to you later." Yeah, well, I think we'll go into it later. There's some duplicity with Rebecca in terms of great movie, like acting nice and pretending to be nice, but behind the scenes trying to destroy Ted. That's fair. So I, that's kind of how I took it, but I guess in the beginning of the episode, where you when you don't where you don't know where it's going to go, that's fair. Cut from that scene. Can and I say before you move on? I, I feel like that's she has that in in common with uh, Jamie Tart. I feel like Tart does the same kind of thing where he doesn't want to like push the issue with somebody in person. He'll kind of tell them what they want to sure. get them out of the room. Um, but meanwhile, behind their back, is playing a different game. Sure. So I think in terms of kind of like villainry they're both hand or treat that kind of similarly villainry i like that word and also when you use duplicitous i think that applies to both you said duplicity and i said good movie because i thought you were referencing the michael keaton great multiplicity which fantastic film no i i don't know that one the only michael keaton movie i know is the other guys great movie all right so next he was he was a batman never heard of it so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Next, we find ourselves with Beard and Lasso in their office. They've got the whiteboard up. They're drawing place. I have watched soccer before. Are there actual plays that get drawn up in soccer with X's and O's? Does, is this a thing? I, I assume they all just run around until they get the ball. Or they like group together in a, in a clump and they all just like kick at it for a while. But that's maybe because my kids are young. I mean, there are kind of some plays that get written up. They call them kind of like training ground plays, but they're generally on like a spot kick. So like it's a free kick, it's a corner, it's a penalty or something like that. They might do something kind of cheeky where instead of just crossing the ball in, have a guy try to header it in, they'll have one guy run past it and then another guy is, you know, dummies it and goes the other way. So they can get a little bit crazy, but what what Ted is doing with the board and the X's and just literally moving the arrows left and right, left and right, um, I don't think they do that. I could be wrong. I'm not a football manager to that level, sure. so maybe it does happen. But sure. again, very comical from him coming from American football background to then putting it on the board. Right. What I thought was funny is they point out like he draws the play and then he like dramatically <laughs> erases it. Yeah. And he's like, I bet you wonder, wondered why I drew that just to erase it, which is like a TVism. Right. And he's like, it's because I believe in symbolic gestures. <laughs> yeah, it's a wink to the audience. A, which is a great line. And we find out that Beard is losing sleep over something. Do you know what Beard is losing sleep over? So I don't know if he actually lost sleep because he says, like, what time did you get home? And he said, didn't. And it kind of gives this little meh kind of line. So I don't know if he actually slept. He might have been up all night. But I am extremely interested in this. Like, I rewound this a couple of times. I'm like, what did I miss? Is there something from the first two episodes where he's still, like, jet-lagged or something? Mm. But we're episode three by now. When he's on the training grounds and all that kind of stuff, he seems with it. 
So I am incredibly intrigued. I have no idea what this is leading to, but I got to imagine it's foreshadowing for future apps. Just so everyone knows, Tom has only watched these episodes as we go through them. I have seen all the seasons. I'm going to pose a question to you, Tom. If this show took a hard left turn, right turn, went around a roundabout. Oh, uh, those are in England. And turned into Beard secretly murdered someone. <laughs> and it was like a whodunit or like, we watch Beard slowly like crumble under the pressure of his guilt. Would you be surprised? Would you watch that show? I would 100% watch that show. And Ted Lasso becomes the detective. And at the end, it's them facing off against each other. We should cut this out and write it down. <laughs> copyright. This is on tape and I'm, film, so we can copyright I'm, it. I follow Bill Lawrence on Twitter. I'm going to send <laughs> this to him. He'll write something up. Well, it's funny because like, when you pose that question, I think I, I don't know much about... Uh, Coach murdering Beard. well oh, murdering. Coach Beard. yeah yeah. Okay. yeah my wife loves a murder show so sure. i have to walk on very um thin glass or thin <laughs> thin ice i when we said that again i'm thinking about okay what is he doing in the background has the show told me anything about this character that he's doing something for ted in the background or mm. for something for himself but i just i am absolutely at a loss because he's such a oddball character seemingly coaching as his life from all the books and everything else he's been reading and setting him up in the show so Again, very, very intrigued to see where this goes. Well, don't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> I won't. Okay, good. So, I didn't. Um, so then Nate is kind of in the background messing with a trash can while they're talking about plays. <laughs> Nate mumbles something, gets their attention, and then Ted and Beard ask him if he's got any ideas. This leads to Nate doing some fun physical comedy with his pockets. He's got a play drawn up, and ultimately the play is... Oh, you're pointing to me, but I don't remember what it is. Oh, I it's, mean, it's the decoy play. Yeah, it's the decoy I'm sorry. play. It doesn't have a name. It's okay. just using Jamie as a decoy on the field because he is such a great striker. There you go. Okay. He's such a great strike baller that... <laughs> um, you stick to. <laughs> naturally, the defenders will go towards Jamie, thinking mm -hmm. he's going to be the shooter, and then that leads for someone else to come in and score a goal. Okay, so, Sonia. Right, exactly. And so we have uh, Nate giving them a play. What I think is kind of funny during that exchange is Nate's like mumbling and Ted says something like, I'm sorry, I can't hear people that don't believe in themselves. And then he speaks at a normal volume. And they both go flailing back. They both act like he's blasted them away when he's <laughs> he's like naturally quiet. So yeah. it wasn't very loud. Um, but... I feel like this cemented it for me too. I know you love Kent, you love Trent. Uh, and again, fantastic characters. But just like all the nuance of the actor. Is it Nick Muhammad? Is that his name? Uh, that plays uh Yes, Nate? that's exactly right. He's just he's just so fantastic. And there's just so much subtlety in the things that he's doing with his facial expressions, constantly kind of looking down, bubbling in his pockets. Um, he plays so well off of Beard and Lasso. I feel like I could just watch a show with all three of those guys living in a flat in England. Yeah, oh yeah. He <laughs> does a he does a great job and he kind of spoilers, he becomes more and more like involved in the show itself so it's kind of fun to watch him develop i love it then they leave they're headed towards pitch or training i believe and keely stops them keely talks to ted and we find out what happened with the pictures the pictures weren't published because keely i'm assuming through her model photography publication connections mm -hmm. has a friend that tells her they're going to run the picture of her and ted intimately feeding each other hamburgers Meh. right and so they look at the uh, the picture and she says, hey, I can only hold this for one day. Someone's trying to release, release this. 
Jamie's going to be livid. Then this leads to them, really Keely, mm -hmm. giving some example <laughs> headlines for what uh, the sun is going to run. And I think I knew this, and maybe maybe it's all newspapers love a rhyming headline. Oh, yeah. it, or is that just British? I would imagine like a tabloid kind of newspaper. Okay. That's 100% what they're going for. They want, I mean, we all know, we, we all browse through thousands of internet articles and we read maybe two of them all we sure. do is see the headline and maybe read the first sentence or two so yeah your headlines got to draw them in you got to get those clicks man sure so it's a, a picture of ted and keely feeding each other did you write down any of the headlines uh oh, oh well i think uh what's jamie's tart breaks tart's heart is that what that's the first jamie's, one right jamie's tart breaks tart's heart yeah. Jamie's last name is Tart, for those of you that haven't seen the show. Oh, come on. If you don't By know, the way, if you haven't seen the show, don't know why you're Back here. to your prefacing that is it's silly. <laughs> We're three episodes into this. They don't know that, though. Have we mentioned it? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I interrupted. No, again, yeah, fantastic title. I don't know. Do you have the other one? I Manager think... Shag Star Player's Girlfriend. That was Ted's. So oh. there's no rhyme scheme, yep. scheme there. And no, wait, Ted... no, 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 wait. Manager... Is that Keeley's? That's Keeley's okay. because then Ted comes back with his gem. Manager innocently feeds young woman whose relationship does not define her. Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a great line. And again, fitting all that in the title would be just oh, fantastic. Right, right, right. And then we have the best one, which was Jamie's Tart. Jamie's Tart breaks Tart's heart. <laughs> That's stuff to say quickly it is. and multiple times. And then she makes a comment, you have no idea the power of rhyming in this country, which is very hilarious. And I didn't think about it then. I, th I just kind of thought that was a generic kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, everybody loves a good rhyme. But like the kind of mention of that made me think uh, when I thought about it more, um, the whole kind of British theme, if you will, like keep calm and carry on. Sure. Like I think, well, saying that out loud right now, I'm realizing doesn't rhyme. Keep calm and carry on. Yes, and. But it rhymes ish. Yes, and. <laughs> No, I I'm with you. They love a they love a good non-rhyme. Oh, Paso or I'm sorry, Lasso makes Paso and creates team fiasco. That was her well, second one. What's her final one? What's her final one? Yep. And so we uh I'm sticking by that. Keep calm and carry on is close enough to a rhyme where I think there's a little bit of play in that. Well, I think the difference here is you don't have a British accent. When you say it and I'm not asking you to try it, but when you say it as a I'm asking you not to try it actually. I'm thinking if about you it. Say it, please don't. In a British accent, then it probably rhymes. Then we have Higgins who arrives and he rolls into Rebecca's office. And there's this funny bit where when she calls him in the beginning of the episode, he pretends like he's in an in his office when yeah. he's clearly at his dining room table. So he is rushed to work. He's got his briefcase. He goes into her office. He like throws his briefcase <laughs> down the stairwell and pretends like he's been there the whole time. And so this is him. And how close would you have to live to try to pull that over on your boss? Well, it's a big facility. I think within 10 minutes, you could probably do that. And this seems like a small, like, you know, Ted and Lasso are walking from somewhere. I would think 10 minutes is a safe. I would never do it because I'm an honest person. But Higgins <laughs> proved to be a liar and a cheat. So uh, it's not totally. surprising that A, moral Higgins or immoral Higgins or B, moral Higgins <laughs> lied to her. <laughs> Anyways, this brings us to Ted and Keely in Rebecca's office. They come to her for help with the pictures, mm -hmm. which they don't know. She's the one that ordered the the code red, ordered <laughs> the pictures. So now they've gone to her for help, and she offers to help. And there's where you kind of see the duplicity of 
of Rebecca mm-hmm. Welton, not Rebecca Higgins. Higgins yep. So, hey, it still could be Rebecca Higgins by the end of the series. Look at you making predictions. Could happen. So you don't see any romantic connection between Ted and Keeley, but Rebecca and Higgins have a chance in your mind. Listen, this is like a family-ish style podcast we're doing here, even though it's not a family-ish kind of show. But I feel like their relationship could get a little bit, uh, I don't know, dominatrixy. So we'll just leave it at that. I did not. I've seen all the Matrix movies. I have not seen that movie, but. <laughs> I'm willing to Google it once those, we're done here. Those are the prequels. I'll probably show it to my children. Um, okay, so then we're on the pitch for training, and we see them try out Nate's idea, mm-hmm. which is the decoy play where Jamie runs in as a decoy. This allows Sam Obasanya, Obasanya to score. Trick plays are great, Tom. <laughs> Trick plays are incredible in any entertainment. I'm going to give you the floor to name all of your favorite top plays from media. And when you can't name any, I will help you out. But go ahead with your first one from the great Disney film. I think Little Giants and the annexation of Puerto Rico is probably one of my favorite trick plays. Dead on. That is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. Okay. Yeah. Just fantastic where they hike it, keep the ball there. Everybody runs around. The big fat center kid just runs all the way down the field. That one's great. The other one is the great family comedy, Varsity Blues, which I wrote it down, but now that I think about it, there may not be a trick play in there, that one. There's like a quarterback throwback, which you can call it a trick play. I That's, thought the large the large fellow ran the ball at one point. No, that large fellow in that one, like, like passes out from being a large fellow. No, 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 no. He's like the first CTE case, the first documented CTE case. He gets like concussed, yeah. and they're like, "No, you're gonna play." Yeah. We all should have known back then, folks. Football's bad for your brain. Don't let John Boyd coach your football team. That's what we learned. <laughs> He's, he only catches anaconda. That's it. The other one, Airbud Three. They let the dog shoot the basketball. That's a trick play. I would argue the entire movie's a trick play. Mighty Ducks would probably be the other big one, right? The Flying V, that's that's essentially a trick play. I think it's more of a formation than a trick play. You're not really tricking anybody. Let's take the next 45 minutes to determine what is a trick play and what is just a different formation. I'll give you the floor. I think, okay, here's another trick play. Uh, Rookie of the Year, where you have the hidden ball trick. Literally has trick in the title. Okay, well, the hidden ball trick, I don't remember from that movie, but I know it from, like, normal baseball. Oh, 100%. Where they pretend it. to throw it back to the pitcher, and then the, the like, base runner doesn't call for time or doesn't make a, any steps off, and they tag him. Correct. Yeah, that's that's a, I mean, that's a MLB play. I'm not familiar with that one. Is that the one where all the angels are in the outfield? <laughs> that's incorrect. That is angels in the outfield. Oh, that's also probably a trick play movie. Depending Maybe we on should... where you land on that side of the aisle I, I feel like we should do like a disney movie podcast after this apparently well, let's stop now and start that one all right so one of the phrases that ted uses while so the trick play works mm-hmm. ted gets in there and he does this thing to jamie where he's like jamie you got to really sell it <laughs> and he does this like uh this is not a visual medium for some of you yes. but he does this weird like dance thing he's like come Mr. on show give me the ball like yeah. he's like you gotta sell it and one of the things he says is that they have to get good at their hellos and goodbyes Mm -hmm. about like transitioning from offense to defense. And he says, 
easiest way to get that done well is to do it well, <laughs> which is like not saying anything, but it's saying something. It's saying a lot. Right. It's like, uh, I like to, to quote Arrested Development and say something. I like to say, well, that's some kind of something. <laughs> and I would put that phrase in that same category. I guess what I'm bringing this up is I'm going to use easiest way to get that done well is to do it well. And I'm going to say it to my children a lot. So it's ingrained in their little brains. So I'm going to say that next time you're barbecuing. Oh, that works. Works. No, no, no. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Because meat. No, no, no. I'm with you. <laughs> it works. The joke works better when you explain it. Right, right. And it'll work better when we're grilling. Exactly. So I'll be ready for it. And hopefully we record that moment when I laugh. <laughs> so that leads Ted to bring up they've got to be in great shape in mm -hmm. order to go say their hellos and goodbyes transition. And he just takes off sprinting and tells them they got to run two laps around the field and beat him. Otherwise, they get some sort of punishment. It's funny because mm -hmm. Coach Beard throws his clipboard, follows right him out. And there is a way that like people comically run that is funny. I don't know if Jason Sudeikis is an athlete. I'm sure he is. But just like his upright running style as he goes, great. And then the whole team like chases him down, obviously. Yeah. How do you have any idea like running a uh, the essentially the circumference of a, even though it's not a circle and I know circumference, let's say border, the border of a pitch. Do you know how that how long that would be? Do you know the official size of a pitch? Because aren't pitches like notoriously up for interpretation or is there a regulation size? Yeah, they definitely are. And I think some of it depends on the size of stadiums. They're definitely what? They definitely are open to interpretation. So there's not a standard size, There's right? not a standard size. And I okay. think it depends on... That's strange to me. Yeah, the stadium types and, and how large a facility can kind of be. It is odd, right? Like you pick, you know, regulation American football field, 100 yards. Right. Some of them are yards, some of them are meters. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're using one or both. It's 100 of one of them. But I, a standard soccer pitch is going to be bigger than a football stadium, but I would say equivalent to it. So running around a football stadium or soccer pitch is, is a decent run, a decent trek. Not for these guys that are should be pristine athletes, but I would imagine for... Uh, last time with Beard, maybe a little bit cha more challenging. Sure. Beard shouts something before he throws his clipboard. Oh, I don't I don't know what he shouts, but I know when Lasso's running, he's like, can't catch me and the gingerbread man, <laughs> which is great. Oh, the joy of these shows that like where it's like quick, quick comedy, quick jokes. I would encourage anyone. I started doing this just because of my hearing and eyesight and getting old. <laughs> I started listening or watching all these with subtitles yeah. and I feel like it enhances the experience because like, a, like something like that, I don't think you catch normally. It's like faintly. And then they transition to the next scene. But I feel like if you like watch with subtitles, I discovered this about Arrested Development, a show I love mm -hmm. is like you catch a lot more with subtitles because when like someone will mutter something off to the side, the subtitles will put it in there. Yeah. So no, I, I get the exact same thing in this next scene that will kind of start. So it's when they get back in the locker room um, and the guys are kind of messing with Nate and Colin, uh, Colin and Isaac, which are more or less uh, uh, Jamie's kind of lackeys. If you Colin will. and Isaac. Yes. Yeah, are they're the kind lackeys, of his lackeys. Yes. Um, and then Lasso uh, kind of makes fun of Beard and asks him if he ran track. And when <laughs> Coach Beard then just kind of says, like, nope, chess club or, or you know, chess team and state champs. And I'm like, he says something after state champs. Oh, yeah. and I didn't know what it was, so I did exactly what you said. I put the subtitle on. He's like, state champs, baby. Baby, yeah. Just his delivery is just so great. Like, stone face, staring forward. Awesome. Sure, yeah. The other thing is a show that's, like, heavily accented. 
it's helpful to have subtitles because yeah. it will put all that stuff in there. So then they are in the locker room. Coach Ted Lasso tells everyone they have gifts in their locker to grab. So we watch the players pull these brown wrapped. Very well wrapped. Very well wrapped. And they're all books. Each mm-hmm. player gets a book. I made a point looking at what player got what book. And they really focus on three characters. Jamie Tart, Sam, and Roy Kent. Mm-hmm. Jamie immediately, because he's a jerk and has no time for a book, (laughs) throws his in the trash. And they do a quick cut where they watch Coach Beard watch him throw it Mm -hmm. in the trash can. Because I think it's important, like, that the coaching staff notes Jamie's just not buying in. Yep. So Jamie gets a F. Scott Fitzgerald book, The Beautiful and the Damned. This is the same guy that wrote The Great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And much like The Great Gatsby, it's about, like, rich people in the 20s getting inheritance and being terrible people so like rich people being terrible f scott fitzgerald i just summed up his whole career and everything he wrote you're welcome scott have you read this that book the Ab- beautiful and damn absolutely not okay. it, too close to home i didn't i didn't want the spotlight shined on my own soul so i won't uh i won't read a scott fitzgerald book roy kent gets a wrinkle in time by madeline Le Angle. I have not read A Wrinkle in Time. Have you read A Wrinkle in Time? Uh, I No, I don't read. I, I started almost watching Oof, the movie. Okay. What? You know I don't read. Sure. I listen. I listen to books. We haven't known each other that long, so I'm learning things about oh, you. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm a visual learner like, <laughs> like, like Ted. Ted Lasso. Like the wanker I'm a visual Ted, learner. yes. Uh, I started a little bit of the, the movie they made, Disney, a couple years back with like Oprah and some kids. Sure, my favorite movie. Yeah, and it, and it was... I don't even think we finished it. It was... It was kind of fine. But I, again, I, I know from obviously this show that apparently it's a little girl who's like a leader and having to figure out how to lead. So it works Through out well. Through space and time. Through space Trent, and time. As Trent says. I surprisingly have not read this book. Hmm. I know someone very close to me who I live with who said she read this book several times as a child hmm. uh, and really enjoyed it. I looked it up and I started reading a synopsis on Wikipedia it got super confusing. It's like one of those books where they use a bunch of like clever name. There's like Miss Who and oh, yeah. Mrs. What's It and Reese Witherspoon's character did like a weird name. Okay, yeah. So uh, I've not read it. I don't know what it's about other than what Trent Krim, our boy James Lance, tells us. Which I'll just jump ahead. I love when he like he gets a question <laughs> about a book and he is just <laughs> yeah. so excited. He steps in and just gives that perfect like. Well, actually. Because yeah. he just said, like, well, actually, it's a book about uh, girls, you know, journey struggle with time. leadership, journey with le- leadership through space and time. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Jamie throws his away, and then Sam Obasanya gets Orson Welles' book Ender's Game, which I have read. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a movie about it, watched it. It's a pretty good sci fi book about a young boy who's like raised to be a war general and. Uh, they like trick him into thinking he's playing a video game. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> uh, and he destroys like a whole race of aliens that are attacking them. <clears throat> I think it was a pro video game book is what I got out of it. Yeah. I mean, going into it, it's a seemingly a hundred percent CGI. Sure. Even the kids, <laughs> even, <laughs> even uh, Harrison Ford CGI. CGI. So they go through the books and they're just kind of, some of them are confused. Some of them are accepting it. And Roy goes into the coach's office, the manager's office, mm-hmm. where he talks with 
Beard and Coach Lasso. And he makes a point of bringing up that uh, Nate is being picked on by Jamie and essentially Jamie's cronies. Lasso is so great. He's like, yep, I know. And sure. Roy's like, you know this is going on? Yep, I know. Are you going to stop it? Nope, I am not. <laughs> And then Ted goes into a great reference to his childhood about like growing up on the mean <laughs> like playground of whatever elementary. And he brings up uh, Ron, Ronnie Fouch. He says, if Ronnie Fouch offers you a candy bar, it's probably a Butterfinger wrapped around poop. Essentially, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, hey, the lesson is don't take a candy bar from Ronnie Fouch. Everybody had a Ronnie Fouch back in elementary school. Sure. Some of us were Ronnie Fouch. <laughs> well, oh, wow. Some of us loved to. I'm not going to go into it. Anyways, <laughs> yours were Snickers. They weren't. <laughs> sure. There, there was a big difference. The candy bar wrapper kind. You ate peanuts. Essentially, Lasso's point to Roy and what he says to him is what I found out is if a teacher tells you to stop picking on someone, the bully just comes at that person harder, mm -hmm. which is essentially true. Roy leaves the office and Coach Beard's like, why are you, why are you riling them up? Mm -hmm. And Ted brilliantly says, listen, if we're going to change the place here, the first domino that needs to fall is inside that man's heart right there, <laughs> which he says, I think without any sarcasm or cynicism, he's like, hey, that guy's, you know, if we can get Roy Kent on board, then the dominoes will fall and we'll get the rest of the people on Team Lasso. On Team Lasso. And so Roy leaves begrudgingly, begrudgingly leaves the office. He goes into the mm -hmm. weight room and there's this great exchange. Anytime him and Jamie can talk, like yeah. it's just fun because he is so angry and hates Jamie so much. And Jamie is just so disdainful. Mm -hmm. He rolls up and he says something like, Jamie, can I ask you a question? And Jamie immediately goes into explaining his workout routine. He's like, <laughs> first I do fives, then I do tries. And Roy's like, no, I don't care about that. <laughs> And Jamie immediately is like, what do you mean? You asked. Yeah. Like, he doesn't hear what people say. He just assumes it's about him. Mm -hmm. So he has that that conversation with Roy. And essentially, Roy tells him, you know, hey, do you know what kind of effect you have on the team? And Jamie's like, yeah, I'm the man. He says it in a different way. <laughs> and then Roy calls him something. And I, I, subtitles once again helped me out with mm -hmm. this. When Jamie says, yeah, I'm the man, Roy says, no, you're a bellend. A bellend. But because your right foot was kissed by God, the boys look up to you. It's made me question my own faith, <laughs> which is just a great line yes. all around. So he calls him a bellend, which I had to look up. It's a slang term. Thank you, Urban Dictionary, for enlightening me. Ooh, uh, Urban the bellend is essentially the end part of a, a, a penis. A, you could say it. A, can I? You could say penis. A wanker. A wanker, yeah. Oh, that'd be better. Yeah. So now cut, I'm gonna cut this. To, now I'm gonna have to bleep you saying penis four times. I don't. So, I, I don't think penis is a medical term. I think you can say penis. I think. Do you want to cut this out what? so we don't constantly say penis? No, we'll let the audience decide. Okay. Uh, add us at uh, teambinge.com on on Twitter. No, that's not how. <laughs> is that how Twitter works? That's not how Twitter works. Okay. Go to our MySpace account and send us whether or not you feel that word is appropriate. But don't use the word. Just kind of use the like stars and symbols. We'll mm -hmm. figure out what you mean. So <laughs> his point about, hey, just because your right foot has been kissed by God, you know, and you're a great player, mm -hmm. made me question my own faith, is just a great delivery by Brett Goldstein, Roy mm -hmm. Kent. Just perfect. Jamie agrees to leave Nate alone. He calls sees, him a good lad. Like calls he, him a good lad. Yeah. Right. 
and you're like, is he sincere? Is he not? And I think we all kind of know he's not sincere. He's just trying to get Kent out of the room. Yeah. See, I'm the type of person that wants Jamie to turn. Like I need him to turn. So that actor plays that so well, like that kind of conniving, like, yeah, sure. No, no, no. I got it. You know, Hey coach, I'll be better. And then as soon as he turns, he's a good heel. Yeah. He's a good heel. He does the same, a good heel. Yeah. Wonderful. What is a heel, Tom? I don't know. He's like a wrestling term. That's what I guess where I know it from. It's like, like a bad guy, like yeah. a purposeful bad guy. Yeah. Right. Like okay. Rock used to be a heel, and now he's a people's champ. So a heel can become a people's champ? Sure. Hmm. Just some good marketing and lifts a lot of weights, just like Jamie Dart, apparently, that you could become the Rock. So, like our, like a former president of ours, like initially a heel, but then became the people's champ, right? Correct. I thought Ted Lasso was filling in for that. Like when he sat on the seats, they changed red. I thought that was implied that he was the former president. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. We went somewhere. I'm not sure I followed, but you we went it. so. And then Roy. So Roy. What I think is interesting is Roy leaves that conversation with Jamie. He's walking out of the rock, the the weight room, and Isaac or Colin, one of them's like, yeah, well, we just call him a. Uh, uh, Random soccer player one. No, no, no. It's the two, two cronies of. I know, uh, but Jamie's. like, and maybe they come in later. But I we'll feel call like them they're... Isaac and Colin because that's their <laughs> Christian name, and that's what we're going to do on this podcast. <laughs> they say to Roy, they're like, "Hey, Roy, you're going to join us at the club," and he's like, "Are you going to be there?" And they're like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Then no." <laughs> and uh, sorry for shouting into the microphone, <laughs> but uh, we'll reduce that spike later. The thing that's what's interesting is like. Roy's not out there to make friends either. Like, I, I feel like if he's going to, like, influence those people, maybe not, like... Yeah, attempt to throw an olive branch or something. Right, and not... right, right, right. <laughs> but I guess because they're Jamie's cronies and he thinks Jamie's going to take care of them? I don't know. I just, from a leadership perspective, I didn't think that was the greatest move in order to get those guys on on his side. Anyway, so we leave the locker room. We're now with Rebecca and Higgins real quick. Uh, Higgin, Higgins makes a point of being seen as she walks into the building. Is it the water cooler? Yeah. And she points it out. She's like, oh, you were waiting there just so I could see you were at, uh, at work at the right time, which is great. Then we have her realizing that she's figured out a way to get the people against Ted, and that is by essentially sicking, she doesn't say it, but mm. sicking Trent Krim onto uh, Ted in the form of giving him an exclusive. Yep. So with Biscuits with the boss, we find ourselves, Ted and Rebecca in her office, great line exchange here. She says, so I spoke to the owner of the Sun, and Ted, without missing a beat, goes, you spoke to God? <laughs> Which is just a great back and forth. And the way Jason Zudekas, like delivers that line is wonderful. And then uh, the deal is made, and what she explains is, hey, the, the owner of the Sun also owns the independent Trent Grimm's publication. In order to not run the photo... I've offered to give Trent Krim an exclusive with mm. you and spend the day with you. And I love Lasso's reaction to it. When when she says she did this, she talked to them, made them not publish it. Like, he's like, Lasso's screaming, MVP, MVP. <laughs> yeah, that's just right. going super excited. And again, I feel like that's more Lasso not caring as much about this picture being out there because I don't think he cares as much. He more is rooting her on. Like, hey, good job. You did a great job. Right. You stopped this thing that could have been detrimental to the club. So he's more excited about her and her accomplishment, seemingly, even though obviously it's not her accomplishment. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Right. No, I, 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 yeah, his, his MVP <laughs> chant was great. 
Then we go back down to training. We're on the pitch, and Trent Krim shows up. Salt and Pepper Maine just kind of slides in. <laughs> he'd like, be a lion. Sidles. He'd be, oh, he'd oh, most certainly be a lion. So he ends up watching Nate's play, the decoy play. And what I love about Lasso from a coaching perspective, from a leadership perspective, and something I think you learn in life, and a lot of people probably don't learn it, and I'm not saying I'm good at it either, is Trent kind of asked him where the play came from. And he like he's like, oh, Nate, or my man Nate over there. Like he Nate came up with it. Rather than being like, well, I'm the head coach, you know, all the plays go through me, I developed it, you know, this is brilliant. Mm -hmm. He gives credit where where credit's due. And he also does it without like any shame of Nate, who's the kit man, Mm -hmm. the equipment manager, who's not a coach. He's not like a shame that, oh, yeah, like the guy, you know, from the locker room came up with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying Nate's job is not important. What I'm saying is he's not like a coach. Yeah. So I think it's just interesting that Lasso is like selfless in that moment, uh, giving credit where it's due. And then also he truly believes anyone in this organization can like contribute to the good of the organization, mm-hmm. especially our kit man over there, Nate. Well, he openly admits it. He he says like, this guy knows more about football than I'll ever know kind of a thing. Oh yeah. And he, he's... Says, he says that guy's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. Yeah. 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 So again, yeah, again, credit where credit's due. He he doesn't care where it comes from. And you could tell that in the beginning when he asked about Coach Beer, like, what do we do? What do we, uh, what kind of plays can we run? Uh, wasn't afraid to ask Nate, you know, then and there, what do you got? Right. And what's funny is they're talking about Nate, who's in the distance. <laughs> and Nate has found that a dog has pooped on the pitch. And so there's this brilliant moment where Ted says, he's talking about Nate and he says, yeah, he might be a genius. And they cut to Nate trying to flick dog food <laughs> off the field with his toe as it says he might be a genius. Yeah. And he's like trying to move. It's just a great visual and timing perspective. Yeah, I love when shows do that. They're like degrading somebody or they're saying something great about right. somebody that's doing something really dumb in the background. Right. And then Beard gives Nate one of the ultimate compliments. Do you remember what Beard says of Nate? now he calls he's a good lad good good kid good kid and then lasso every time beard compliments something he's always like you don't you don't know how important i mean this guy it's it's a a great moment on the pitch jamie becomes upset with the play Mm -hmm. essentially he is upset that he is being used as a decoy because he does not feel like his skills warrant being a decoy he wants to guy he wants to be the guy to put the sporting ball in the back of the sporting net. Did mm-hmm. I use those terms correctly? I mean, ball and net. Yeah, nailed it. So they don't add sporting to things. Just <laughs> believe it or not, they don't. They don't call them like sporting boots. I'm gonna go put on my lace up my sporting boots. Put on my sporting kit. No, <laughs> no, they don't. Okay. What did I read? <laughs> so the great thing is that we get this exchange while Jamie is upset. Roy says that Jamie being upset is one of the funniest things that he's ever seen. And there's something very funny about someone just going like very, like delivering a line very straight. And Roy does it so well where Mm -hmm. he's like, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. He's like, I used to think the scene in that movie, Step Brothers, (laughs) where the bunk beds collapse was the funniest thing I've ever seen. 
But seeing this right here <laughs> has made me question my priorities of what is funny and what's not. <laughs> Just the, the the way he like kind of deadpans it. And all he's doing is trying to get a Jamie. Like yeah. he's trying to make him understand how funny it is that he's upset. And then Lasso jumps in. He's like, yeah, that's the, you know, the mix of uh, arts and, and movies coming together. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is great. So then we get done with uh, training on the pitch. We're back in the locker room. Uh, Roy stops. Colin and Isaac apparently just have nothing better to do than to harass Nate. So they're harassing Nate. Roy stops him. He's like, hey, didn't Jamie tell you to cut this out? They obviously didn't. Roy goes to confront Jamie. He's shirtless other than that sweater that he naturally wears. Such great test air. Yes, I know that you're a fan. He goes outside. He's in that small parking lot. I don't understand the parking situation at this stadium or this training facility. But he walks out into the parking lot, and who shows up but Keely? Keely shows up in her suite, whatever. We'll call it a Maserati. And then they have an exchange because Roy makes a comment about Keely really picking terrible boyfriends mm -hmm. because uh, he's looking for Jamie. And he mentions, you really know how to pick them. And she replies with, didn't your ex-girlfriend <laughs> steal your Rolex and sell it for drug money? And Roy's response is so great. He goes, well, I don't need a phone and a watch. Like, he's not bothered that it got stolen or that he was with a terrible person that stole it for drug money. His response is, well, I don't need both of them. It's okay that she stole my Rolex. Yeah, it was good for him. He, he didn't need both. He realized he was living in excess and he's moving on with his life. Uh, but yeah, a fantastic exchange. If you just wear a watch and you don't have a phone, what do you look at when you're with people and you don't want to talk to them? Mm. Or like when you're standing in the line at DMV, do you just stare at your watch? What were those days like before you could just stare at a phone? I don't remember. I don't. I never really owned watches or wore watches. And I feel like people that have these fancy watches now, I don't understand the need for it. Oh, man. I'm like, Apple, I'm Apple, don't listen to him. I love fancy watches and watches that you can stare at. So then they're still they're they have a great back and forth. Keely and Roy, a lot of fun. They're fun characters. It's fun to have them uh, do some exchanges. Right. So then we have Roy express his frustration. And I think this is important that this is established in the show. Coach Lasso, excuse me, Theodore Lasso. Mm. No, Coach Lasso is trying to not manipulate Roy, but motivate Roy to like kind of take charge. Um, like get people on board, be a leader, and Roy, like he sees it. It's yeah. not like a, it's not like a quiet manipulation. It's not something Roy recognizes it. He knows that Ted is forcing him to go defend Nate and like get after Jamie, and so he expresses his frustration with Keeley that he's like, and that coach is making me like defend Nate I don't even know his last name <laughs> they have a back and forth about what his last name actually is and Roy does know his last name yep. which is great and then he does a great impression of uh, <laughs> Ted Lasso which is I thought about your comments about like the clown stuff and like he does a very like cowboy clown kind of impression of Ted right which she says it's terrible. I know it's not Lasso, like it doesn't, but it was just a really great, like to have a British person do almost like a Texas impression. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot. Well, of he's fun. got like little finger guns, like he's oh, doing the yeah, movements. Yeah. It's the voice, it's like the, the physical comedy that goes along with it. Again, like his stale delivery is just great. 
Yeah, he's his lines are I don't like being tricked. I can't be manipulated. And then Keeley starts messing with him, tricking him and manipulating him. And you see his like aggravation level get more and more mad. And then as she departs, she does an impression of him. Uh, can you do the impression that she does? I'm Roy Kent. I get paid to play a game, but I'm mad all the time. <laughs> a little bit of British accent for oh, you there, too. I'm going to take that sound bite and I'm going to post it on MySpace. The best is, though, that Kent, like, he's walking, leaving the city, he's like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he acknowledges that her impression of him is, is quite good. <laughs> we are back in the office with uh, Trent Krim, Lasso, and Beard. There's, uh, and, and, Trent is kind of like looking through things. He's looking through paperwork and stuff. It's and, odd. He's lurking. Right. Which is strange because they're both sitting right there. Yeah. And then Ted gives Beard a look and Beard kind of like shakes him off like this is no good. I didn't really understand what that meant. But then Ted says, hey, Trent, you're kind of like one of those robot vacuums, <laughs> just like wandering around looking for dirt. And then, of course, Beard. Roomba. Roomba. Yeah, let's know it's a Roomba. We call ours Wally. Mm, cheap ones. No, no, no. I mean, the kids named it Wally. Oh. It's clever. not like a brand. It's just they love the movie Wally. Yeah. Americans are fat. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you really bought into the premise of Wally <laughs> that we're destroying everything. And, anyways, robots look good in that movie, though. So Ted points that out. <laughs> They start to they start to talk, and one of the things that I think is very important, Ted says to Trent, "Hey, I've never given much credence to wins or losses. Mm -hmm. Like I've, that's not what's important to me." And Trent, like the jerk that he is, goes, uh, "Well, I am going to use that as a quote, which is just very funny." And well, for Premier League and getting back into soccer a little bit, like for Premier League coaches, like winning is everything, and like the team that I follow, Chelsea because they're kind of already established as a top-tier team, Rich, or AFC Richmond clearly isn't. They're kind of more like a mid-table team. They've gone through seemingly 12 managers in the past seven years. Like, no joke. Like, they constantly... So is it common to replace a manager during the season? For Chelsea, yes. Okay. Like, they're a team that notoriously rolls over managers. Um, generally, a manager will be able to finish out a full season, but it is it is not like if you can't win for your team these big billionaire owners that own these, these premier league teams they need to win they need to sell their merch and do whatever they need to do to make money they don't stay very long and there's so much competition in soccer a lot of these coaches will go and play in different leagues like in barcelona and spain italy all, all over the place so what i think is interesting is we talked about the whiteboard and drawing up plays mm -hmm. i understand why ted lasso is like an important coach and the effect he has on people mm -hmm. in the real world like, does a manager of a soccer team really make that much of a difference? I got to think the people on the... It's kind of like basketball for me. Like, what is a basketball coach during... The ball is moving so quickly. Things are happening so quickly. I think... I got to think it's more about the players on the field, on the pitch, on the court. Um, I, I don't think... have any other playing field references. I would say. <laughs> no, I think there is probably a lot more that a manager or a coach of these teams Is it like does. the subbing? No, I think it's a lot more of building a team. So, like, you okay. think about, like, in, in the NFL, if you're going to... I'm familiar. I know you're familiar with American football. If you're going to build a team because you have you know, a certain quarterback and you need to get him wide receivers, you need to give him a better O-line, you need to build your defense. Like, sure, a better kicker. A better kicker, exactly. Hey, bring it around to football. Yep. With When the new manager kind of comes in, and that's why it's tough if you keep rotating managers out, because you need time to build a team. Sure. And they do a lot of what's called transfers or loans in football. So mm. if a player is not on, he, he may still play for Chelsea, 
but because he's not in the starting 11, they'll loan him out to a different team. So he's still getting starting time and, and, and minutes on the field, but uh, can come back to your team kind of later. So I think a lot more of what managers do is manage the formation, the position based on the talent that they have and bring those kind of teams and like-minded players together. Got less it. probably about, yeah, you run this way, you run that way kind of a thing. There's Got less it. of that going on. Okay. And for those of you that are just joining us, the reason I asked that of Tom is because he's our resident football expert. Listen, if you can't tell that by just that conversation, then... Pfft. Yeah, right. That's on you, buddy. Also, I do want you to know that I know about players being on loan in soccer. I'm not going to tell you how or why. I'm not going to telegraph or foreshadow, but I did know that was a thing. Let's move on. So... His cliffhangers, man. <laughs> they, we should stop the pod right now. <laughs> they, no, we don't. How would I feed my children? So <laughs> we are in the office, and then Ted asked Coach Beard to go get Roy Kent. They're like, and Lasso's getting dressed for them to leave, and he tells Trent Krim that they're going to see some some school children. So this brings us to Rebecca and Keeley. Your favorite characters. My favorite characters. I love spending time with these two. Keely enters Rebecca's office. I'm, I find it strange that Keely can just like wander wherever she wants. I don't know how open these clubhouses are, Agreed. but owner of a club, she wanders in. She gives Rebecca a gift because she got the photos, you know, removed or not, mm -hmm. not published. It's a cactus. I think she makes a joke like it's prickly like you or like strong and prickly like you, yeah. which is funny. She lets Rebecca know that she's not going to be scared of her anymore. Which, if I was Rebecca, I'd be like, man, I missed the days you were scared of me. Because <laughs> Keely, like, cozies, cozies up on her couch, ditches her shoes, just, like, makes herself at home. They do have a nice moment. Like, they, they start talking. Keely makes some comment about, hey, do you remember when you got divorced? And Rebecca's <laughs> like, uh, yes, it rings a bell. Like, which is just such a great, a great exchange. And then we discover that, because Keely complains about how nice the paparazzi are to uh, Rupert, Rebecca's husband. Mm -hmm. Rebecca points out that paparazzi are never nice to women. They're certainly, you know, not nice when they have a naked photo of you on a yacht. <laughs> and then Keely cues uh, in on that is like, that's oddly specific. Oh, do you have this photo? Which is a funny exchange of Rebecca shows her <laughs> these photos of her apparently sunbathing on a yacht. And how quickly she pulls it up, too. She's like, she she literally yeah. thinks about it for like half a second. She's like, all right, I'll put it up. Right. And it immediately shows her on the laptop for the picture from the chopper with her sunbathing. And Keely is very impressed with Rebecca's physique. Mm -hmm. She makes multiple comments and she's like, where did you get those? And Rebecca's response is something like, my mother. And Well, it's not her mother. It's her, her mom. She's, she's British. Isn't it the queen mother, though? No, the, the queen mom. The queen mother mom? Yeah, but... <laughs> mom, no, the mom, mom is mother? Mom? Okay. Mom's the word. And so when a British mom dies, they become a... <laughs> mother... <laughs> oh, come on. I'm going to set this up again because I'm going to edit this in. <laughs> when a British mum dies, she becomes a... Mummy. <laughs> Mummy. Oh, my goodness. I we got, got, it. got there. All right. I don't so... associate... Well, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. We should try that three more times. <laughs> We're not going to. And so I said this scene is Rebecca and Keely bonding, which is fun. 
you can see that like uh, when Keely goes to leave, she forgets her shoes. Rebecca says something to her, and Rebecca's like amused that Keely is spending time with her. And I don't get the sense that Rebecca has a lot of like female friends that she gets to hang out with. So yeah. it's nice that Keely is bonding with her. Cut from there, we find ourselves at uh, the school with <laughs> school children. I don't think a school is called something different in England, so I'm not going to go into that. But what I do want to bring up is we were talking about someone who runs a pub and what their name was, and I could not remember it. I oh. looked it up. It's like a publican, oh. which is where we got the term Republican. <laughs> I don't think so. We're right. at the school. The kids are all sitting there. What's very funny, and someone who I love and is very smart, who I live with, pointed out to me how great it is that other adults are standing like in the side of the room. All the kids are on these like little stool, like mm -hmm. benches thing. And then Trent Krim is sitting with the children. Oh, and yeah. So he's like a head taller than all of them. And he's like, not even at the end of a bench. He's like in with the children. Yeah. So it's like, who was like, hey, reporter dude, you go sit with the children. He's getting the full experience, man. That's is a, that what it is? That's a sign a, of a good reporter. Oh, good journalism. He wants, he wants to get that that view of these children and, and get in their shoes, you know? So you think he had like a tape recorder up to a seven-year-old and was like, hey, what do you think of Ted Lasso? Do you think he was getting quotes while he was no, sitting there? He's not getting quotes from these snot-nosed brats. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have anything good to say. <laughs> oh, man. But he wants really to, hate children. He wants to feel like a snot-nosed brat. Sure, sure. So, principal introduces Ted Lasso and I don't know if you caught this but he calls him Ed Lasso oh yeah yeah, yeah. Because, uh, and the manager of our AFC Richmond Ed Lasso he like looks at a card which lets you know the principal is probably not a soccer or football fan no one claps for Ted uh, one kid yells Wigger <laughs> there it is then they introduce Roy Kent Ted throws it to Roy Kent. He could not throw it to Roy Kent quicker. Roy Kent comes out. All the kids are excited. They love Roy Kent. Roy Kent makes just some incredible Roy Kent lines here. Do you want to, do you remember him? Uh, no, I'll let you, you do it. So I just know, I know it's finished. It's finished is the best. I'll let you finish yeah. it then. He says, I'm never, I'm not one for public speaking, not one for school. School always seemed like a waste of time. Let's go out on the pitch and have a... A proper F about. Yeah, proper F about. <laughs> I was going right. to say it. Gonna, no, yeah. no, 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 no. We can't do that. We have children. I, and I got to use that phrase more often. A proper F about. A proper F about. And all the kids are like, <gasps> and then they start Let's cheering. Yeah. They, they weren't messed up. They didn't care about the curse word. They cared more about, yes, we get to go outside right, and we get to play right. some football. So they get to go out. We meet Roy Kent's niece, who plays kind of a, a bigger role in, the, role in the show than you'd think. Because Ted's like, hey, it's great that you visit this school and meet with these kids. And Roy's like, I only do it because my niece is here. His niece's name is Phoebe. <laughs> and he points her out and he goes, that idiot. <laughs> and he calls his niece that idiot. I, that took me by, like, it just took me out my feet. I'm like, what? Like, who, like he, because he, he's so sentimental. Like, yeah, I'm here for my niece. Sure. Like, she's great. Like, that, that idiot. idiot. But again, that what, relationship, I know I'm sure we'll get into it, but like, just a weird, like, oh, it's so great, great uncle relationship. That idiot. She can't hear him, obviously. Yeah. And then she runs over, and he, like, smiles and waves. Yeah. Like, he, he turns on the charm. She obviously loves her uh, Uncle Roy. And so 
Then we see uh, Roy Kent working with the kids. She asks them if they can do headers, do headers, which is just them throwing the ball and the kids doing headers, which is so great because Ted Lasso gets in line. He wants to do a header. It looks like fun, man. He wanted to get in. <laughs> and he's like, he's super proud of himself for pulling it yeah. off. And Roy's lines after each one are like, I like that. I, and like one kid messes it up and he's like, well, that, you know. He's just... Uh, he's good. He was good with the kids. Oh, he's great with the kids. And then Ted wants to get in and do the headers, takes the ball, throws to Phoebe. Phoebe catches the ball. <laughs> I think Ted says something like, oh, great, we've got a goalie or something. Yep. And then she drop kicks the ball and it hits Ted right in the nose. I feel like that sequence is something like they filmed just so they could put it like the trailer for the show sure. of just him getting hit in the yeah. face with the ball. Um, but yeah, oh, always oh, funny. I love a good uh, face of the ball. There's there... ball. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, ball to the face. Not uh, not much better. Uh, I don't know how to transition <laughs> from that. So no, what I what I enjoy is anytime you see a head violently snap back from <laughs> a uh, cylindrical ball hitting them in the face. Cylindrical um, or spherical? <laughs> whatever shapes or whatever you want them to be. Shapes are weird. You see, they change shapes, just like they change math. They change shapes. So, so then he's. So then we cut to Ted signing the ball, and he says something. What is it? What? What? I don't know. Like he just bleeds on the ball. You see that little drip of blood. Oh, and of course, right. instead of trying to like really wipe it off, he just smudges it more on his little autograph that he's kind of signing. Uh, and then he says like, "Hey, don't don't clone me with this or something of <laughs> that nature." Don't clone me with this. This is a great, <laughs> a great line. And then. Oh, what I do think is funny is Roy thanks his niece when she kicks the ball into Ted's face. He's like, thanks for that, Phoebe. Or he says he like compliments her on kicking Ted. Oh, in that's the face. good. I didn't yeah. catch that. Uh, Roy brings up because Ted says something like, hey, man, your Phoebe's a real cutie patootie, something like that. And Roy then gets after him and he's like, hey, I don't like being manipulated. Um, I, I see what you're doing here. Uh, and then he's like, what is a wrinkle in time? Like, what is that even? What is that for? And that's when Trent Krim, mm. hearing about the written word. And he sidles. The he guy, sidles, he sidles up. He loves the written word. And he's like, well, a wrinkle in time is about a girl's journey through <laughs> space and time and her struggles with leadership or something like that. And then what's so great is Roy goes, am I the little girl? I'd like you to be. I'd like you to be, Ted. I'd like you to be. <laughs> and it's just such a great, such a great exchange. Roy, like, doesn't want anything to do with Ted. He storms off. And there is this great, like, juxtaposition of Roy walking off and Phoebe, his darling. She's just, like, a, a beautiful, adorable. like, adorable girl. She's in her, like, school dress. She runs over and grabs his hand. And, and he doesn't they, look like, back. Like, yeah, he, doesn't, he just puts his hand out. Yep. She runs over. <laughs> And and they walk off. And so it's just so fun to see, like, angry Roy, angry, <laughs> vulgar Roy, and then his niece, like, join him and, yeah. and walk off. So <laughs> then we're done at the schoolyard, and Trent, Krim, and Lasso go to the restaurant, which we find out is the restaurant that is owned by or where Ollie, mm -hmm. the taxi driver, who... From the pilot, it's right? from the pilot, right? He's did you a... did you recognize or did you understand that from I, watching it? I didn't at first. It it took me a second to kind of think about because when I thought about the driver, I kept thinking about Nate taking them to their flats kind of after that first episode. I didn't really think about the driver picking him up for the airport, right? Um, but yeah. And what's so funny is the Ollie says something like, 
Like Ted says, yeah, you invited me to your restaurant. And Ollie's like, well, I say that to everyone who's in my cab. And you realize like Ted's the guy that's like politely like, oh, hey, we should hang out some weekend or come down. You know, we'll do this. Ted like is going to do that. And and not in an obnoxious way, but in a way where I'm sure if he said it to you, he would mean it. 100%. So Ollie is uh, the waiter for him. And great line from Ted. Ted introduces Tread Krim of the Independent to Ollie. And he says, you just mo- you both just met a really cool person. Yeah. Which I'm going to steal that. If I ever have to introduce people, I'm just going to start saying now. Congrats. You both just met a really cool person. I thought 100% it's not the same thing. I'm definitely going to steal that. I'm going to steal that line. We discover it's Indian food. Very, like, spicy Indian food. Have but- you ever had really... Have you had much Indian food? I just like Ted kind of said, living in Kansas City. I <laughs> mean, like he doesn't get a lot of Indian food. I think we actually do have some decent food here where we live in Arizona. Um, but uh, I have never partaked. Have you? No. And there's like a type of food that like spice is like a heat. And there's a type of food where spice is like a flavor. Yeah. And like I like a like a spice like from the flavor, like a... I don't know, like a hot wing or like a Cajun, like a Frank's hot sauce or like Taco Bell, like that. Sponsored by Frank's Red Hot. Right. Thank you, uh, (laughs) Uncle Frank. But like I get the sense from Indian food that it's like just the heat. It's not like a flavor. Based on their reactions, Hunter. Yeah, I would take the same uh, uh, away from that. So Ted being very polite tells Ollie, hey, whatever the chef wants to give us, we'll take it. Trent warns him Trent's like I don't think that's a very good idea like he's and he's like Ted do you like Indian food and Ted's like I don't think I've ever had Indian so food. you get the sense that Trent has already had Indian food and like having and somebody gone, just give yeah. you something yeah it's not gonna be good yeah it's gone bad for him so uh, of course we get the dish it's way too hot Trent like bows out after a couple of bites he's like I don't think I can do this mm-hmm. but Ted being who Ted is like wanting to be polite, wanting to encourage people and not give them the impression that their food is not good. He's like, no, we've got to eat this. We've got to put some kind of dent in it so that Ollie doesn't think or his father-in-law. What I think is so great, and it's just Ted being Ted, is Ted's like, no, give me your food. Like he takes Trent's food and he starts eating it. Yeah. Like he's taking the Indian spicy food bullet for Trent, <laughs> essentially. There's some great physical comedy there, though, oh, yeah. when they're they're eating. And even, like, Trent, I, I assumed this entire scene was going to just go on with them doing that, kind of, like, taking a drink of water and, like, stumbling over their words. Because sure. Trent, Trent was really good at that. Right. And Trent, you know, starts being the reporter, and he brings up to Lasso that, hey, you know, what you're doing here is irresponsible. Mm. People care about this club. Uh, you're treating it like a joke, essentially. And Lasso like brings it up again. He goes, you know, I want to say this again, just so you think it wasn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. I'm not here for the wins and losses. I'm here like to make these young men the best versions of themselves, yeah, which is just on a, and off the pitch, yeah, specifically. Which is just a great like from a leadership standpoint. I think Trent brings up money. He's like, did you just come here for the money? And Mm -hmm. Ted's like, I'm getting paid for this? Like, clearly, that's not his motivation, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming a manager of a premier soccer league probably gets paid very well. I know, like, soccer's not huge here, but, like, worldwide, it's huge. And so there's got to be a a revenue. They get compensated very, very well. Right. So I don't know what Ted's salary is. I don't know what his contract is. (laughs) Uh, But... 
yeah, he asked him that, and clearly that's not why Ted is there. Ted mm -hmm. is there uh, in order to, you know, make those those people better. And just another thing that, like, made me fall in love with the show is, like, Ted's motivation. And it's, like, pure. It's And, yeah. and you see it when they lose. Like, Coach Beard in the second episode, I hate losing. Mm -hmm. Like, Ted doesn't, you know, not really affected. He just wants the, the players to uh, to be better. And then, well, and I like the other thing that he says there too, because he says like you telling Trent that it's not easy, and neither is growing up with someone uh, or without someone believing in you. And oh, I, yeah. I thought that was a really powerful line because I think we've already kind of seen in this show um, some point to where you have characters that are down on themselves; they don't believe in themselves. Sure. They need somebody to step in and do that, and how far that can go when you just show interest in somebody um, and show them they're not alone or they're they're struggling with. Um, more than um, they put on because a lot sure. of people like to keep that stuff bubbled and inside of them and ted is one of those guys who will bring that out of you for for the better sure and he also he makes a point to ask trent he's like trent you know what do you love hmm. and he's like do you love writing and trent's like you know i, I do and he's like great you're you're very good at it yeah. he's like i love coaching i love you know changing young people's lives and, and making them better and i think that's another thing like establishing rapport with Trent, just giving him that compliment. And I truly think Ted thinks that Trent's a good writer. Like, yeah. I'm sure he's read what he's written. Mm -hmm. And so to ask him, hey, what do you love? That's great, because you're very good at it. I think that wins points, not just because Trent's probably a little, has a little bit of an ego as a writer, mm -hmm. but Ted genuinely, I feel, uh, meant that compliment. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think by the end of this exchange, too, when Trent, you know, kind of, um, excuses himself, says, hey, I got to leave. I got to right. finish this article, whatever. Kind of a BS excuse. Shortest dinner in the history yeah. of the world. He's like, I'm not eating the rest of my dinner. If you're eating all this, then I'm just going to go ahead and bail. Just an excuse to get out of there because it sure. feels he knows everything he needs to know about Ted to be able to write this article. But, you know, he gives that extra little line saying, like, like you actually mean that, don't you? And, and Ted says, yeah. And I think with, with that hesitation, he says yes. And right. you get that extra little camera pause on, on Trent's face and you kind of see that he gets it. And like sure. we've seen throughout the show, it's only three episodes in, but the longer people interact and deal with him, the 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 less they can kind of blow him off as just this, you know, goofy oddball guy. Sure. They realize there's a lot more to this character. And again, why I understand you like this show so much. And, sure. I, and I am certainly living or learning to, to love it. Good. And like, I think Trent deep down knows that he has not been kind to Ted. Yeah. But for Ted, Ted to say something like, Hey, it's been great to know, like, to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And Trent being like, you, you, you really mean that? I've been a jerk to you, essentially. Like, th there's something very powerful in that. And, and you know, just... Well, and Ted sees past it, right? Like, right. He sees past, like, the BS that people put in and right. in, in present to the world. He can see past that and see that he's a good writer and he has, you know, probably better motivations and stuff inside. Um, and I think we, we see it when we actually get to get a preview of the article. Sure. And so we cut from the restaurant to uh, Roy and his niece Phoebe reading A Wrinkle in Time uh, in, in her bedroom. And he's, you know, he hits a point in the book where it's like, it's got to be me. It can be no one else. And it's like literally Roy realizing, hey, he's got to step up. He's got to protect Nate, get this team in line in terms of, you know, making them feel like teammates and as it like dawns on him he says a swear word very loudly <laughs> phoebe 
<laughs> it's so good. Being that poor actress, she's like, Uncle Roy, that's a swear word you shouldn't say. And he responds with, Oh, mind your own business, Phoebe. <laughs> oh, mind your own business, Phoebe. Again, I love the relationship. Like, he is oh, yeah. definitely like lovey dovey with her and not calling her an idiot, obviously, sure. to her face, but he's not afraid to, to mess with her a little sure. bit and have some fun. So then he leaves, and then we get some. And I've talked about this before. I love Bill Lawrence's like music cues and stuff. Mm. We get some hard violin that cut that kicks in, and we're cutting through a couple of different a uh, different scenes and rotating through people. It's essentially like uh, Ted struggling with the Indian food, <laughs> uh, Rebecca and Higgins, and then Roy. And so we have Rebecca uh, talking with Higgins on the phone, and Higgins has Trent's article. He's mm -hmm. got it before it gets posted. And so he starts reading it to Rebecca. And the whole reason, once again, that Rebecca set this up is she thought Trent Krim was a jerk. He's going to spend some time with Ted and he's going to tear him apart. Yeah. Which you think at this point she would know better. Right. right? She would know that anyone that touches Ted yeah. becomes a fan of Ted. And um, <clears throat> so we have the overarching reading of, of Trent, the actor reading uh, his article and it's you know he's talking about how you know love him or hate him ted is out there like bravely facing the music mm. he's in the community he's meeting people you know this is a business he, he says this is a business that celebrates ego and ted reigns his in mm. and we see that with ted like it's not about him it's it's about other people his coaching style is subtle he never hits you over the head, which I think is funny because like Roy is like literally five seconds later headbutt somebody. <laughs> right, right, right. And so uh, it's it's Trent article being read. He talks about Ted allowing followers to become leaders. You know, the line that that uh, I think is interesting is he's like, I believe Lasso will fail here. I believe Ted will fail here. I think Richmond will get relegated, which means... Which now you know from last episode. Right. Um, they will go you. down to yep. a lower league. Mm -hmm. But I won't gloat when it happens. I can't help but root for Ted. So yeah. we see that, you know, he's got this cynical, you know, reporter that is supposed to show, from the first two episodes, show all Ted's flaws. Uh, we see him come around to, to Ted. And, mm -hmm. and while this is being read... Roy visits a club where uh, I think he's more or less going to confront Tart. And right. He gets his two cronies that there. He headbuds one one right in the face. Colin. He headbuts yeah. Colin. Colin. Excuse me. They're, they might as well be both. We nope. know Colin. We're going to use their Christian names, Colin. Uh, but yeah, then he gives like the great line. He's like, I don't know which one of you I hit because I'm old. And I can't see very well. <laughs> That's such a great line. Again, another great line establishing that, you know, he's the older veteran soccer player, uh, <laughs> but just calls out, calls out Jamie for, for his BS. And that, you know, if, if this team wants to go anywhere, if we want to make something of this, you got to get yourself together. Sure. Uh, sure. And again, real, real cool. And, um, I do need to mention, though, I, get, I love the, to your point, the music is just fantastic. And not just in the scene at the end with the right. violin and everything, but there's so many cues kind of throughout um, that I, I think really help bring me into the show. I do get a lot of uh, Ratatouille vibes in this, this this review and this reading of this. Okay. I know you mentioned Ratatouille, I think, in the last pod, so sure. it came to mind. I've watched it recently. But that Ratatouille ends with, you know, this mean critic writing this really good review for this you know ratatouille sauce and stuff and you think oh, he's gonna okay. destroy it but he writes this really heartfelt review 
Um, and I think it's the same thing with Trent, like the way he kind of writes it. So that kind of made me think of that, um, especially because we mentioned it in the last sure, part. Sure. Doesn't doesn't diminish any of the the writing and the way it was put together because I think it was brilliant. Right. Um, but uh, there's definitely some sure. uh, intellectual theft. Right. Right. No, 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 no theft. <laughs> no theft. Only love. No love and theft. What I do think is funny is while he's in the club, he drinks some vodka and he, Roy does, Roy takes a swig of something and it's apparently what Jamie's been drinking. And Jamie, we should mention, is sitting next to Keely. He says something like, vanilla vodka, what a child. Is that what he, did he say vanilla? Did you hear that? You had the captions on. I think I yes, turned them off at that point. vanilla vodka, yes. Yeah. He says, it's like flavored vodka, what, you're such a child. And so Roy is a bit ashamed. You can tell Keely is a little bit impressed. So what's important, and then he says, Keely, she says, Roy, and you can see Jamie like looks to Keely like, what's going on between you two? Yeah. I think the most important part of this scene is the necklace that Jamie's wearing. It looks like he stole it from an Egyptian pharaoh. It's this <laughs> giant. Anyways. Uh, and then, yeah, I didn't see it. It's like an onk or something. It's like a giant jewel, like rectangular <laughs> jewel. It's very strange. Classic. I'm making a... Uh, with my hands, I'm making a jewel, so you all know. But we also see that the Indian food is coming back on Ted. So Ted sacrifices his own digestive system in order to make Ollie and his family feel good. Colin for the cause, man. Uh, okay. Is that a, is that a saying? It Did is you now. come up with that? It is now. Oh, man, you should write news article headlines. That was incredible. We're going to sell t-shirts. says Colin for the cause. Oof, that feels like a... I uh, never mind. So, and then we also find that Rebecca is uh, disappointed in the article because obviously Trent has fallen for Ted. And and once again, just the importance of Ted's outlook on life is these people don't like him. Like these people take him for granted or think he's hokey. And then they eventually realize like from an optimism standpoint, from a believing in people and encouraging them, the fact that he's willing to suffer through the heat of Indian food, <laughs> like that is like a selfless attitude that wins people over. Yeah. Uh, if we all stop being just a little bit cynical. One thing I do want to bring up and I would encourage people to do is pay attention to any scene in a show where people sit down to have a drink or have dinner and how quickly those scenes like end. It's like, oh, let's pour a drink. We have a moment and then like someone storms off or like think about that dinner. How long were Ted and, and Trent like sitting at that table before Trent like left? They were he was probably there. Let's say like 10 minutes, maybe. Have you ever gone to a restaurant <laughs> set for 10 minutes and then been like, hey, I've got to get back deadlines and stuff. Well, yeah. And like what they were talking about at that point, like were they just talking about the weather or random oddball stuff because he doesn't get into Trent doesn't get into his questions until they get their food so seemingly right. they had plenty of time to wait right but, it's it's something i pay <laughs> it's attention a trope, for sure shows. oh it's it's funny they're like oh let's go get a drink and then someone gets upset at someone and they leave and yeah. you're like oh so you guys were in that bar for three minutes and, and that then... glass is still full or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the scene has ended <laughs> anyways enjoyed this episode i really enjoy trent crim i enjoy any time that ted's kind of outlook on life turns someone i really enjoy roy kent and <laughs> just his demeanor and attitude and the fact that he sees what ted is doing 
and is still kind of falling for it, like yeah. still appreciating it. I think that's in well, and important. and he's had time to do this before, right? Like there was nothing stopping the other coach uh, for him to be able to take it upon himself to talk to Jamie and to you know right step up as a leader. And you can kind of tell. I think there's some realization in in Roy's standpoint where he's like, you know, if I'm going to be the leader, I should go all in. And right. I think you know again we talked about um him being that domino if he can kind of get him to flip and i think we're we're certainly pretty close if not there already but three episodes into this this series i again i knew i would enjoy it i knew i going into it you know you had spoke its high praises it's gotten great reviews on on the internet and i i knew this would be a fun show but i get why you were so passionate about wanting to even do a podcast about sure. it and wanting to just talk about it because i think the more people listen to you know even if it's content like this now watch the show or listen to people talk about this show um i think the better people will be because if people right. can just have this kind of mindset and it is incredibly challenging i've literally over the past couple of weeks we've been doing this purposely doing that at work and just trying to have like a better outlook when i'm on calls and, and right. interacting with people and it is it is a a skill for for right. sure and I, we know this is a show and people can't probably be like he is 100 percent of the time but very much enjoying the uh, the ride so far. Sure. No, I, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. All of you, thank you for joining us. We are Team Binge. I am Julian. This is I'm Tom. And we appreciate you spending some time with us. And the next time we all get together will be for episode four of season one of Ted Lasso. And episode four is called Balls of Fury. Balls of Fury. Write it down. Look it up. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>